All right, we're back, everyone. For some good old Game of Thrones. Uh, the thing that we've been doing recently, talking about this last season, kind of getting uh, an idea of how we want to do things for Mandalorian, because I guarantee you I'm going to be doing it for oh, that show yeah. as well, because I am super stoked for that. But we still got, well, we got two episodes left. We've got three episodes to talk about, including this fourth episode of Season 8 of Game of Thrones. And I'm sure there's, even though it was kind of a slow episode. Oh, there was a lot that went on in this episode. Um, (laughs) There there was a lot of stuff that was controversial. There was, uh, this episode sparked more conversation in our little Game of Thrones thread on Discord than... I think any other episode so far, which was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of stuff kind of controversial, a lot of stuff that happened. We're still seeing more of the them really pressing through and just moving along the timeline. There's not, you know, they're done with the slow pacing that I think really, you know, made Game of Thrones so great. But at the same time, at this point, we kind of understand that you know, what characters are about, what they're expected to do, and all that sort of stuff. So I don't think it's as big of a problem as it could be. But damn it, it would be nice if they really did this right and took a few more seasons, you know, to tell everything the way that it seems like it should be told. What do you think? It's... I think that uh I think that that I think that that idea is accurate that this it has seemed like I could have gone in the olden ways of Game of Thrones. I could have gone three episodes on that be- night battle. Like I was kind of in, it kind of sucked that it was so short to be honest. Even though that episode was so good, I would have loved to see more going yeah. on there. It just seemed like I don't know. It just seemed very small and short, but for something that will be so important when people talk about it going yeah. forward. Well, so the thing that I that I really enjoyed about this particular episode was it got a lot more back into the politics and the connections with the characters and all that sort of stuff that feels like we've been missing a little bit due to how fast they've having to they've been having to hit all the points to make the story kind of crawl along. And so that's been really, you know, Mm -hmm. just that part's been really frustrating because, you know, that's something that I enjoy so much. Um, And there were some fantastic scenes in this episode. Um, So we had the opening scene where it's basically the funeral for everyone who died in the war against the Night King. And you see them all, going and you know lighting the uh i don't know what you would call those the funeral beds i i, I funeral peers p-y-r-e okay funeral pyres okay good i'm glad you knew um yeah so no no it's a random thing that i know somehow there were a couple really good points there <laughs> um you know so like sansa giving her stark pin to Theon, you know, um, which was, you know, just kind of 
her letting him know that, you know, hey, you are a Stark. Um, John, Lady Mormont, of course, Daenerys uh, was the one to light Jorah. You know, just really emotional scene. Everybody kind of having that connection to the person that they, um, you know, that they were setting ablaze. Connecting all the dots between characters, if you will. Yep, so that was a, you you know, we have that emotional scene. They kind of get to that. We kind of get through that. You know, there weren't really any surprises as far as that goes, other than maybe the number of people that were actually still left. But we go from that um, emotional scene and we move towards the celebration afterwards. There was so much in the scenes and all these interactions that was just classic Game of Thrones that we've been missing. Um, you know, it's I think we need to cover one thing above all things. To I, I was off. I was getting there, but go ahead. <laughs> So you know I, where I I'm going. The one thing from this... this, And before I say it, shout out to alcohol for making us all forget that everyone died and having a just grand old time. Alcohol. Here, here. We love you. Usually, <laughs> it just always puts a smile on the face. But the... There was a coffee cup, and everyone just assumes by the <laughs> shape of it and the logo look yep. on it that it was a Starbucks cup. There was a Starbucks cup right in front of Daenerys Targaryen, which prompted a lot of really funny (laughs) memes this week. Most of them involving her and pumpkin spice. Yes. Um, My favorite one was uh, somebody posted this on our Discord. It actually came off Reddit, but um, somebody asked, uh, what was in the Starbucks cup? And the answer was, uh, Misandre's decappuccino. <laughs> uh, it's good stuff. I did see that on on Reddit. Uh, so good, up. so good. Um, yeah. So, we'll uh, of course, if you go back and try to watch it now, it's been digitally removed. Um, unsurprisingly, really. So, if you go on HBO now or HBO Go and watch the episode, it's that's correct. So, oh, base. Basically, well, having it's still there. If you have the access, like if you recorded the live version, or if you have access to that version, it is basically like having a two-star Lando in Swaga. So it is a, it is a classic. So we get to the scene of all of them in there, and just so so many really good connections. So first of all, Gendry finally. <laughs> you know, all of his hard work has paid off. Um, you know, and Daenerys basically gave him a castle for his work, um, you know, building all the weapons and Did anyone anyone really ask Gendry if that's what he wanted though? He didn't he, want- he wasn't gonna say no. And as we find out, well, obviously. the reason he wouldn't say no is because Oh, what what is a great way to woo a lady? Um, hey girl, I just got this new castle. What up? You know, um, so naturally, I just won the lottery. 
You want to come hang out in my castle? Yeah, that was. <laughs> I mean, I guess it like fit with the celebration of their win slash very little uh, introspective of the deaths, but yeah, yeah totally uh, not fit in with the theme of that celebration. Yeah, and I mean that's like there's certainly reason to celebrate. Um, I mean. They're all still alive. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, the so we had Gendry. He got his castle, and, of course, he goes off to find Arya because she's kind of missing. I'm getting there. And then, um, <laughs> I mean, I, there's probably five really big scenes just in this one setup, this... One, I guess, you know, five different scenes inside this one small scene. So we had the stuff with Gendry where he goes to Arya and he actually proposes to Arya, which we're sitting there watching, watching and like, I expect, you know, he's going to go say something to Arya, but I'm not expecting a proposal. Like I was totally caught off guard and that was extremely funny. Um, You know, just. Let's just say he finally got some, and he's starstruck. He, he, he's like, oh, I think he I was want more of that. struck, but yes. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I see what you was, did there. He, he was definitely struck, and he wanted to strike again. But he went, he got on one knee, proposed, and... You know, uh, got a little bit of callback back to, you know, season one where, you know, Arya's like, you know, that's not me. She's not that traditional girl that wants to be a lady of a castle and all that. And so she's like, I'm out. And um, very sad for Gendry uh, because he's obvious, you know. He's obviously, he wanted some Arya, and that's understandable. I mean, she just killed the Night King. Who wouldn't want the girl who just killed the Night King? But, um, so he, that, that doesn't fall through, so he he heads off. Um, and, oh, and not to mention the, the, the funniest part, when he first comes out there and he almost gets struck with an arrow, uh, not paying attention because Arya's out there just doing what Arya does. Um, what, what did you think about all the scenes with Tormund? Um, uh, are you a Tormund guy or no? I was, I am, but, uh, he, he, he did me dirty in this episode. Like what the what the hell was going on with him? It was weird. Why do you say that? He was like, he, because for the longest time he was just this like Billy badass, um, just this big, he then he just seemed like this really, he, he seemed like the nerdy guy at the party that was telling stories that no one wanted to hear. And it was like, Tarman, stop. Just don't talk. He's always been that. He's always been the, the really just kind of over the top storyteller and i mean come on he he he's got a john they never were so awkward he's got a serious john well well i 
the John Crush is awesome, but the 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 Brian Crush so far has just been so cringy <laughs> with him that it's taken away from his badassery to make him look like 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 he would take up chess to make sure that he could secure Brienne of Tarth. And like, dude, just continue being <laughs> a badass and that should be I mean, enough. he was on a mission for Brienne. There I was know. I mean that was that whole scene was really funny. So you have the stuff with him and John Ace talking about um, you know, right after Danny drinking uh, uh do what? Oh, so you're not gonna mention him drinking giant's milk? Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh we're, oh, we're getting there. Um so you had Danny giving Gendry the castle, and then immediately after that, you have the drunk Tormund spilling all over the place, chugging the beer or the wine or whatever it is they're drinking. Um, you know, talking to John because he obviously has a huge John crush, and then he says, "You know, the thing that's that we know is going to be the problem." Um, Starts talking about how John's a future king and all that sort of stuff, which obviously does not sit well with Danny, who's sitting over there and, you know, kind of isolated because she's in the north. She just lost, you know, so much of her army, a lot of the people that were loyal to her. And now she's stuck in this place where she's sitting there hearing people talk about how someone else should be the leader, you know, when she was the one that gave up, you know, her opportunity to go, you know, go get the throne to come help this battle. And, you know, um, kind of a tough scene for Danny. Like this episode was not easy on her at all. Dude, you want to talk about, looking like visually seeing how depleted someone is i know we'll get there but that last scene will show you yes the last scenes of the episode oh my god yes i'm like why are you even showing up here demanding anything you're like no one is scared of this yeah well (laughs) but anyways we'll get there um so the other thing was you have uh uh oh my god um peter dinklage's character why am i drawing a blank Tyrion, Tyrion. yes and jamie going and sitting down with brianne and they're playing uh the drinking uh Tyrion's drinking game and there's so many callbacks to earlier seasons you know we've seen Tyrion do his drinking game before and he's obviously kind of trying to nudge this whole jamie brianne thing and winds up being, winds an, up being asshole. an asshole. Basically calls out Brienne. Ab- basically. Not basically. I mean, he does. Calls her out about not being a virgin and, you know, kind of pisses her off, kind of ends the fun. And she kind of gets up and storms out. And. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he kind of helped her he, get laid. He did. He, he did. She should probably well, thank him. We'll get there too. So, should she? Should she? We'll get well, there. Um, so Jamie, of course, goes chasing after the, 
This is the part where Torment realizes what's going on that, you know, there is another love interest. And, of course, he is just absolutely heartbroken because he is obsessed with the big woman, as he calls her. And, uh, of course, <laughs> he ends up finding... Accurate. It's true. Of course, he ends up finding a couple ladies to go uh, celebrate with, which was, um, you know, classic Tormund. Not, Not the, the hound thing. thing. Yeah. Uh, man, the hound. So what did you think about the scene with him and Sansa? Well, to be honest, I thought really nothing of it until I started looking through <laughs> our Game of Thrones Discord. I was the same way. Like, I I had no issue with it. Nothing until someone mentioned an issue with it in our Discord. And then, you know, I'd listened to a couple other things, read a few things. And apparently this is more of a deal than I ever realized it possibly could have been. Um, I think, so... To get straight into it, basically she said that she was stronger than she would have been because of what had happened between her, what all the things that had yes. happened to her and the rapes and the things like that. And I can totally understand any side of this argument where it's like, this should, that shouldn't be said or, you know, you know. It's such a touchy subject. I, these are the types of things that I just avoid and don't talk about because I hate. I just hate the, the the type of arguments and and things that go on in the type of conversations this are. But I will say this: I don't. I think that you can say things like that and be right, and you can say it and be on the opposite side. If that makes any sense, like I don't think she was saying that to say. She couldn't be strong if it didn't happen. But I do think she said it said it to say that because of all the things that happened to her, they li- did make her stronger. She said she wouldn't be the little bird if it didn't she happen. She would still be the little bird if it didn't happen. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Right, right. So but, but nobody knows what you would have became had it not happened. So that's just the way her where her mind is because of what had happened to her. It doesn't mean I mean, I, I mean, I guess it just doesn't really mean that she's saying. I don't know. Man. I, I mean, there's so much say. there. So, um, not gonna dive too far into the politics because, obviously, <laughs> but please not. The problem that people had with not it was thing. that it was making a positive out of the fact that she got raped, and. But okay, now now I realize my original thought. Go ahead, and then I'll try. No, go ahead. You'll lose it. Yeah, that's very true. There are no positives being raped, ever. But there are positives for the people that turn something, that do what they do with themselves out of Granted, it should never happen, and it should... No one would ever want it to happen, and if they could take it back, they obviously would. But... If you're ever in that situation, and I can only speak from a guessing situation because I cannot imagine the mindset and all those things. Like, I don't want to get too deep into it, but I'm just saying, if you've been in that situation, you make of it what you do for yourself. And if she 
feels as though she's stronger because of it. That's her mindset, and that's where she's going with it. And to make it more... I don't know. I think to... I think her situation is her own, and the way she feels about it, no one can fault well, her for and that. You know what my, I mean? My problem with the argument about, um, you know, rape should never be turned into something positive for a character, it's basically the argument. It's essentially, so the, this leaves you two options. You either cannot have rape in any storytelling situation, despite the fact that it is clearly a part of I say part of life, but I mean, it, it is something you hear about. It's something that happens. It's disgusting. It's unfortunate. It's awful in every situation, no question. But nonetheless, it's something that happens. But two, so if you do write that in a story, do, do you let that crumble the character? Let it make the character weaker? Or does the character take that learn from it and become stronger and not let that cripple them. To me, that is a thousand times more inspiring than having a situation stronger, better, and having a better yeah, understanding exactly. That's my main of point is the type of people there are in the world. And this, you know, the situation that she was in with Ramsey and seeing what people are capable of seeing, you know, what someone like that will do, the ends they will go to to get what they want, just how flat-out evil they are. Littlefinger, these situations that she learned, he was like the ultimate schemer, and everything that she learned from him became incredibly important for the development of her character to become this really kind of strategic character that she has become. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's basically my thoughts on it, and... We can jump to the next topic. Um, all right. Please. So uh, so awkward. But something I did like about this is it did show the strength of Sansa. She'd been through much worse than the Hound. And yet you still have the Hound so, who is this broken character so in which Sansa's kind of an, a lifting inspiration to him in a way. You know, just based on how far she's come. Um, and I'm curious to see if that has any sort of effect on the Hound going forward in the story. You know, it's funny is, and I was just thinking this when you were saying that, and I think my, I think the thing I'm watching the most for right now, not even who sits on the Iron Throne, I think I like the character development of the Hound through this season I think I think I I think I like it the most out of any character in the whole show, and what probably why I didn't pay as much attention as what Sansa was saying as to his interactions with her, as far as his interactions with her, with Arya, with the uh, what is his name, Derek, Eric, ah, uh, the guy that died last Barrick? episode, all the interactions he's having, Barrick, that's what it was, his interactions with Barrick, I. I think the one thing I'm looking forward to the most is him versus his brother. Clegane Bowl! Bring and, it on! Yes. That is the biggest thing. Barrick, there you go. Yeah, the, the biggest thing... You said that as well. I'm just acknowledging everyone here. But the... The Hound is probably my most interesting story right now because it's, for the longest time you thought he was just this 
jerk off. And in, within the season, you've seen that despite him being a callous character with interactions with people that are just so awkward and whatever, you've seen like a flip in him and I want to see where it ends up. And the funny part is we've all known people yep. like that, right? And they always come to a point in their lives where that type of that type of outlook on life switches for them. And I'm just really interested to see what happens with him. So I just didn't really pay attention as much to what anyone was saying to him as much as what yeah. he was saying. I'm really looking forward to any everything that happens with the Hound, including, and you might have been going to this later, but he winds off going off by himself while they're still celebrating yep. on a horse and winds up on the trail mm-hmm. towards King's Landing with Arya Stark, who's also on the yep. trail to King's Landing, leaving everyone behind. Those two together, which is another... Their interactions have all been 100%. awesome so far this season. Throughout the now whole to see show. where they're at, traveling together. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Now they're heading down there together. I'm just really... And really they're, like that interaction. I, I mean, they're kind of two sides of the same coin. I mean, as far as they're kind of loners, they, you know, they're, they're fighters. They're both kind of strong and stubborn. They're on a mission that, you know, come hell or high water, they're going to complete. Um, and of course, uh, you know, they like to travel alone and yet they still enjoy each other's company. So, um, yeah, ver- uh, th- that was good to see them kind of heading off again. So uh, heading back into the the celebration and such. Um, once we kind of was there any other scenes that you kind of wanted to touch on uh, in inside of the celebration area? I'm going to be totally honest with you. Your recaps of the episode remind Perfect. me of what happened because I have. Gone well, I'll just keep memory, going. So, so no. <laughs> uh, next thing we'll move on to is the. Uh, uh, we're not going to do it in necessarily order of the episode, but uh, just kind of order of importance. So, of course, Jamie and Brienne go and they sleep together, and um, that whole scene's pretty entertaining. You have. <laughs> You know, Jamie acting like it's hot and, uh, you know, being all. This is just going to sound weird. But I I was watching that whole scene and thinking, did Brienne's actress let them show her naked? No. Okay. No. <laughs> That's I, I a mean, good I've, point. There's been so yes. many actresses and actors in the show where yep. it's like, oh, whoa, there they are. And it's like. So are they going to do that? Is she, did she allow that to happen? She That's a good not. point. I hadn't so, even thought about that. She said, in my, like, a look into the mindset of the actor for that scene, I think. Because I think a lot of these actors have the choice to say no or yes in any case. So, But I just thought yep. that was interesting. I don't know. Maybe it's not interesting at all, but that's what came so, to mind. So. Of course, as we learned earlier, Brienne is a virgin, and so she sleeps with Jamie, and there's no possible way this is going to create problems. And so now we will move on to, you have everybody, uh, you know, kind of in the central command center talking about what the next strategy is. 
there's Sansa, there's Arya, there's John, there's um Tyrion, Danny, Varys, everybody in there talking about what their next move is going to be uh, militarily. And, you know, Sansa keeps bringing up the point that, you know, um, the Northerners, they, they need rest after this battle. You know, this was a long, grueling battle that, you know, lost a lot of people. Lasted, lasted a whole, whole episode. episode. And, of course, then Danny kind of snaps back. It's like, you know, I, I went all this way. I went out of my way to come help you guys fight this battle. I lost, you know, over half my army. I sacrificed a lot. And now whenever I need your help, you're not you're not going to be there? Like, you know, what's the deal? And Sansa's understandably like, no, they need to rest. And I, I'm kind of on Sansa's side about this. I mean, it's not like you can go from a battle like that and immediately go into the next thing. You know, they're... Question. Why is she speaking for the North when John is the North? Well, I mean, she is the lady... Besides the fact that it adds tension in the in the well, the she is the lady area. of Winterfell. She's not in that's charge true. of the North, but she's but not she, in charge like uh, at all. No, that's not true. She that's should not, not true. If John says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. She has no. Uh, who are the three people? She should not. Who are the, the one three people at the table? Speaking. It's been Danny, Sansa, and John. So, Sansa is the right. lady of Winterfell. Which still makes no John sense is the to king me. over the North, but. Sansa is the head of Winterfell. Okay, so Winterfell can stay. The entire north goes south. Like, it didn't make any sense to me that she was the one making proclamations when the fact of the matter is John is the one whose choice. That's true, but you have to remember the conversation. Obviously, it matters for storyline. Well, the but- conversation that they get to is the whole point. It's that Sansa and John do not agree. Right. For and the show. of course. For the show, but like, if if you were in a, look, I'm a military guy. If I were in a, if you were in a high level meeting like that, and a general, like, let's say a master chief underneath a admiral decided to start saying what things, what was going to happen, the admiral would backhand them and say, "Why are you even talking?" Because the fact of the matter is, what they say. Is not the word of law, but it's there what is, the admiral says. Not, but there's something not the, to the person that has the tighter connection to the actual army who knows kind of the state of that army, being able to speak up for them and be like, and knowing if they're ready to go and and battle. And that's what Sansa's fighting, standing up for, is that because she has that stronger connection to the people. But of course... Like you said, I mean, it is John's decision, and that is ultimately where it ends up, is John says, you know, if you're ready to go, we'll go, because that's what we pledged to. So, I mean, I'm not a military guy, obviously, like you are, but I... All I I know is that a court martial would have happened if if a Master Chief is opening his mouth in a meeting like that overruling what a admiral's going to say. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. And, and as Vestara Kai said in chat, John bent the knee so he has no rule in the north. Yeah, that's probably 
true that a lot of the people in the North do not trust his judgment at the moment, but he's still the king of the North. They haven't overthrown that No, yet. I think they trust so his judgment. He's still I mean, the top guy. I mean, this, this leads directly into the next scene. So once they get done figuring all this out, Sansa and Arya are like, you know, John, can we have a word? And that is when they head over to the wirewood tree and... You know, they're not happy about the fact that John is taking the army. Um, they realize what he did. They realize that he had to do what he did. And, you know, he he had to bend the knee to Danny because there's no way they would have beat the Night King without her. They, everybody knows that. There's no question. But the problem is they know that they shouldn't be going right into another battle um, when they're depleted. When they're weak, generally not smart. Oh, I strategy. completely agree with that. Like, and someone needs to say so because no one else is. But the thing about that is, like, what did they think was going to happen? Why did this, was this not a thought from the start? They just thought, hey, okay, we're going to go fight this battle. We don't know if we're going to win, and the day after, we're going to march down south and we're going to win that one. Like, that makes no sense. You should have thought, hey, we're probably going to need a little rest time here because we just fought an army of the dead in a match we did And that's why Sansa in. was saying something. All right. And look, I, I'm, not, I'm not arguing that she didn't have a right to say something or why she said it. I'm just saying it didn't make sense to me that she would be the one asked when she's not the one... And she might not have been the one that asked. She probably just piped in anyways. But, like, normally... She has her finger on the pulse of the When you got people. two people from one side... Sit- right, right. Yep. I don't know. It's, anyway. It's, 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 maybe it's a so, dumb argument. But anyway, know. there's the whole scene where you have the last of the Starks, uh, you know, as the episode title indicates, standing outside at the Wirewood Tree. And, of course... um. John's kind of mentioning about how he's never really been a Stark and Nari and Sansa are like, yes, you are. And then, you know, um, Bran basically tells John it's your call. Um, and he makes them swear that they're not going to tell anyone and reluct, you know, Arya has no issue swearing it. Cause I mean, let's be honest. She's, she she's pretty loyal. We've never seen anything that manipulative. I mean, we have out of Arya, but she's pretty loyal and not really an issue. But Sansa, on the other hand, who is so reluctant to make this promise, ultimately gives in. And so, okay, yeah, she gives in. She says she's good with it, and that's where we find out that there's. He tells them. He, John tells them who he is. I wanted to say this before you moved on, before it didn't matter. Bran basically forces hand. And this is the reason for that. John didn't say anything about what was going on. He just kind of was conflicted. And then Bran goes, it's your choice. Or whatever he said. And basically saying, hey, guess what? You can tell them or you can't. But guess what? Forever they're going to know that you have a secret that they don't he know. He makes that obvious, though. If he had said nothing, it would have been... It's pretty obvious. 
But he, well, I, I thought no, it was I don't super think so. obvious. I, com- I disagree. He looked upset about something, but they like you can't guess that there's a massive secret he, that he's he keeping basically just from, asked from his his body. Bran, I mean, it's, yeah, he did not. He looked at Bran, and then Bran goes, "It's your choice." So at that point, like, there's no choice. You can either tell them, or they can always wonder what the secret nah, is you're I, keeping from them. I don't know. That bugged the I, shit I, out of me. I'm like, the, I think there are issues to be had with the point, episode. There is I don't no think choice. You just made the choice for him. This this happens in real life all the time. Like, I mean, uh, this has happened to me, where someone will be like, "Well, you can tell them," or "I'm not going to tell them." And at that point, it's like, okay, well, everyone knows I'm keeping a secret, so I can either tell you, or you can be mad at me for keeping a secret forever. That apparently, by our body language, is well, yeah. Important. But if it's something that so, you're that you're basically asking if you should tell someone, then, you know, I think it's a little bit different. But he didn't say he a didn't word. To. And so it was he between them. It, 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 he just, yeah, I don't know. I, just I had no issue with it. Um, So ultimately, Bran, you know, John tells Bran to tell them what the situation is. So moving on, we, uh, we have Danny and the fleet traveling to Dragonstone and this is uh, there we go back with the military I'm going to try to part of things. rationalize this the best I can because there is no rationalization I, I think there this. is some it I don't think no there's sense. a ton but there is some and obviously <laughs> so they're flying and out of nowhere a basically a crossbow bolt comes flying out of nowhere and hits Rhaegal and um then two more come flying hit him in the wing and then in the neck and you see Rhaegal go crash landing into the water Danny is down another dragon very sad and that quickly that, that happened quickly that indeed. quickly so the problem is strategically how did this happen? And I can understand how it happened. It's everything that happened afterwards as far that makes as no which sense. Part? As far as go fly in the biggest circle you can around the backside of this fleet and turn every freaking boat into char. It makes no sense. They cannot flip those A, they turning those things around that quickly. Will not happen, and B, if they do, they're going to be shooting it through all of their sails. Yeah, they can easily turn it around. Blow those boats. They could, and then they're blowing it through their ship to try to shoot this dragon. Yeah. Kill those boats, get them out of the water. Super easy. Go all the way around. It makes no sense why she ran. No, it makes no sense why she didn't go up and come straight down on them. I mean, they... They only angle up so high, they don't go straight up. Yes. That, you're I mean, right there with yeah. me. There are so many different ways that she could have but, burned those ships into the ocean but not. She just lost one of her kids. She just watched Rhaegal get shot out of the sky. She gets pissed off and goes, basically goes into attack mode. And then you see the other seven or eight bolts come flying and um and of course she pulls out of the way and basically retreats. 
you, you know, like I, I mean, I can see why she was retreating um, because she obviously absolutely cannot afford to lose Drogon at this point. She has one dragon left. Um, she's not entirely, sh- she's probably not entirely sure where all the fleets are, where else they might be. She knows the direction she just came from is safe. So turn around and head back that direction. You know, logically in a high stress scenario like that, I could see that being her logic. The biggest problem that I think I see with this episode that I've seen a lot of other people have with this episode is the, where the hell did the Iron Fleet come from? Like how, how did this, you know, logistically and physically happen to be close enough to get a bolt through the chest of a dragon um, and not be detected. Uh, You know, that's been the biggest complaint I've seen. But I I thought they tried to explain that pretty well with with the fact that you have this big mountain of stone with the Iron Fleet behind it waiting as Daenerys is flying past and then opening fire on them. Um, You know, it didn't seem to me like she was that high in the sky. Um, Outside of the crossbow range, maybe, maybe, probably, I don't know. Um, You know, how far they shot and how accurately they shot, probably pretty far-fetched. That I would agree with. But I don't think logistically the fact that she didn't see them was that big of an issue. One thing I also noticed, those things sure do fly straight and true and never seem to start getting physics. Things going up eventually come down, right? All of those just seem to just rocket to space every time they were shot. Yeah, but I mean, they didn't really give us a good <laughs> idea of how high she is in the sky either or how far they are away. We kind of saw... The ship's firing, and then you see Danny flying, and the angle of Danny flying is uh, from below her, angling up. So, I mean, you know, I I don't have a huge issue with that. And also, I mean, like... There's going to be some drop on the bolt, but depending on how strong that bow is, which it's obviously pretty damn strong, I mean, it might go a pretty good distance before you start noticing the arc of it going down. And that's probably going to be kind of difficult to show, you know, in, you know, a TV episode based on the camera views that we saw, (laughs) in my opinion. Um uh, who knows? It's just yeah. makes so, me laugh. I don't have a problem with it. I just was yeah. thinking about that. Right I mean, now. I like. I think there was enough. There wasn't enough information to know how far away they were and any of that, and and the other issue of where where did the fleet come from? You know, um, yeah, you know, if you're if there is something standing here and you're flying past it. It's going to be kind of hard to see something that's hidden behind it, you know. It's I mean they knew they had a pretty good idea they'd be going back to Dragonstone, how they would get there, where they were coming from. Not that difficult to hide and wait for an ambush and then um so you have them then just 
proceed to pulverize the entire fleet with those crossbows. And, of course, Tyrion gets hit in the head. <laughs> kind of, you know, just another flashback to the early Game of Thrones before we actually had battles where Tyrion would just get knocked out and then wake up and that was that. Um, <laughs> oh, so, uh, so yeah, so they, uh, go. Tyrion wakes up on the shore and Grey Worm and Missandre is missing. The the one thing I found surprising is why didn't they just go on shore and kill everyone? Yeah, right. I, like you know what, they're hurting yeah. enough for now. Let's just not. Finish I mean, that was the, the thing that didn't make sense to me personally. Um, I assume uh, Missandre was probably got on a raft boat and was probably still floating whenever after all the other ships got pulverized, and they probably just went and picked her up. Is what I'm assuming. But, yeah, why they didn't go finish wiping everyone out, I don't know. Um, that don't make a hell of a lot of sense to me personally, but, yeah, I don't know. So. Well, it certainly led to an interesting ending of the episode. It did. And before we get there, <laughs> and we are quite close, um, there was a message, of course, sent back to Winterfell about Rhaegal going down. And... um. So that is about the time that we get this scene with Jamie and Brienne, where Jamie gets up in the middle of the night. Brienne wakes up, sees he's not there. Classic, Classic booty, booty call. Situation. Um, heads out the door and he's getting <laughs> in the car about to head off. And he's like, damn, what the hell? Um, who woke you up? So, what do you think's going on here? There, I could see this going multiple ways. They've been setting up this redemption story of Jamie for so long. It, I mean, is Rhaegal going down going to be the thing that turns Jamie and makes him head back? Because, I mean, he 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 knows Daenerys is pissed. She's probably about to do something really irrational. And he wants to get back to Cersei. I I I go back and forth in my mind through a lot of different things of how because I don't I I'm certain of one thing and I don't think that a lot of people would agree with me, but I'm certain of one thing. I think Cersei is going to die. And I think Cersei's going to die by someone that's near her that kills her. And then there's two scenarios in my mind. And one of them is Arya with someone else's face. Mm -hmm. And the other one yep. is Jamie. And the only and then this just further solidifies that idea in my mind is he's going back there and people think right now that it's to protect her. But what if it's to finish that redemption arc by taking and her out? I could totally see that happening. Um, I'm not sure which way I'm leaning. I I'm not convinced that Jamie is, you know, 
that whole scene with Brian where he's talking about, you know, you know, she's spiteful and so am I. And it seems to me like so he he just took Brian's virginity. They've had this connection building for so long. He knows if he wants to head back to King's Landing to help or to try to somehow remedy the, remedy the situation or something like that, Brienne is going to want to go help him. The Stark girls are safe. They're in Winterfell. They're surrounded by people that are going to keep them safe. Brienne doesn't really need to keep them safe anymore. So how do you keep Brienne behind? You break her heart and leave her there crying. Um, I mean, that's kind of, I, I do, if that's, that's a good way to keep her it is, from yeah. going with and, you. Yep. For sure. I, I'm trying to figure out what I really feel about the situation. If that's what's happening or if he was just being flat out honest. Um, but I am not buying the... Uh, I, I'm leaning towards not buying the fact that all this buildup that Jamie has done has fallen back. Um, I hope he's the one that kills Cersei. I'll say this, though. I think the best ending to this show would be Cersei staying on the throne. It would be so Game of Thrones. There, there has never been a character in any show I've ever watched that I wanted dead more than Cersei Lannister. I mean, if... I don't know, man. And this might be only because we already got him dead, but Joffrey... Oh, I hated that bastard. I ba- feel like I, I did hate that bastard, but... When yep. he died, it was... Yeah, choking in. That's a that's Joffrey's a good point. I mean, God. there has been a lot of those, and um, so I guess we'll see. Uh, all right. Well, we haven't talked about the very ending. The very ending, and that is first up. Like I said earlier, <laughs> Daenerys, uh, Tyrion, her hand. You know, all the all the unsullied that are left, as well as every high-ranking member of Daenerys' army, marches to the capital, or to King's Landing, and stand outside the gate demanding things. And if you were to look at them from space, you wouldn't even see them. No. It's just the amount... The, how tiny her army has become is laughable. And she's out at the gates demanding things. There's and so much in this episode. All the while scene. up, so good. All the while on the top of the fence, the gate, or on top of the uh, wall mm-hmm. leading to King's Landing, is this army all shooting have with the big old crossbows, scorpions, um, harpoons, crossbows, everything yep. aimed right at them. Literally, I feel like if Cersei had said so, they could have wiped them out completely just by shooting at them. Um, they're all standing there. Weird, weird flex by Daenerys, because you're 
not flexing much, if anything, at all. Well, you do have a dragon so, hanging out behind you. I mean... I mean, there's that. But two of them have already died, so you already know true. they can die. And you already know they're not very... They're, to me, earlier seasons, I'm like, if she has three dragons, she's unstoppable. We've, now we're to the point where dragons are apparently yep. expendable, and while they can do a lot of damage... They are very vulnerable. And there's serious so. risk now for doing anything with the dragon. There is only one left. Without the dragon, I mean, you know, they have the high ground. They have the defense. Like, you're kind of screwed. There's not really anything you can do. You, you're right now. Your your ace in your hand is, is Drogon. And, and the other part to that is the fact that we didn't speak to this yet, but Cersei pretended to protect all of King's Landing by allowing all mm-hmm. of the civilians into the castle, which basically just meant that she's using civilians yep. as a meat shield. 100%. So the only thing you have left is if you go after her in that castle with the dragon, you're killing all the civilians that you're trying to protect to try to take over the Seven Kingdoms. So... Standoff, and here we are. Masande is on the wall, standing in front of everyone. And Tyrion tries to talk some sense into Cersei. And for about a minute, it looks like he has actually gotten to her. But, uh, of course, that winds up to be untrue. She calls in the mountain to... Do his bidding, her bidding, and Missandre is dead. Head chopped Well, and there's off so much that, you know, right there le- leading the up to that with Tyrion going up to Kyburn and, you know, it was like, basically, we're only going to take full surrender. And Kyburn's like, well, we're only going to take full surrender. And if it doesn't happen, Missandre is getting hacked. And, you know... Of course, Tyrion goes, and the big thing, I think, here, that, that I, I hope this isn't a plot hole because it seems too direct and it seems too obvious, but the fact that Tyrion mentions Cersei has a child in her, how the hell would he know that? If Euron is the father. And I don't know that Euron... You would think Euron would pick up on that. Like, how the hell does your brother, who's been up in freaking Winterfell, know that you're pregnant with my child? Like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, that's confusing all in itself. But the reason Tyrion... Obviously, the reason Tyrion knows is because his brother told him, but... You would hope well, that no. Euron would. Well, I mean, I guess he wouldn't understand. T- Tyrion why found out, you know, at know. the end of last season, whenever they went to, uh, you know, convince Cersei to join their cause, and, um, you know, went back and was talking to her, and kind of figured out that she had a baby, and so. I thought it was during while he was talking to her, trying to convince her to go yes. fight the White Walker. Yes, that, that was, was last I believe, season? the last episode of season okay, seven. Well, um, 
So the fact that he's had this information, Euron just figured out, like, he should know there's no way Tyrion should know unless she was already pregnant, which we're pretty sure she was. And, you know, that is the other thing that ties in with Jamie is it's obviously his kid. Here's me air quoting. Do we know she's we even actually That's pregnant? Tr- I am 100% with you. So We don't. I mean, it's... <laughs> she keeps saying she is, but Her she trying look to pregnant. manipulate people to do, do what don't? she wants? That don't sound like Cersei, does it? No, yeah. exactly. Um, so... I mean, she told... She told Jamie it was his. And she told Euron it was his. So now it's just completely all the manipulation... Yep. You know, I don't even know if she's actually pregnant. And she obviously did not care about her kid as far as fighting the White Walkers to keep humanity alive. I mean, I don't know. So. That is is certainly true. And then, so, when Missandre's... You know what I really expected once Masada's head was cut off? I expected it, but it didn't happen, and it makes more sense that it didn't happen. But I thought that Daenerys was good. There wasn't enough minutes when you're looking at how many minutes are left between how many minutes the episode was and when you're watching. I watch it on computer, so I see how much time's left in the episode. And I'm like, there's not enough time for this to happen. But I'm like... I expected the dragon to come flying in, trying to do something. I, I expected the visceral reaction to go after them. And everything was all kind of like, well, that just happened. We're mad and we're going to have to do this later. Well, so I'm really excited to see. It's one of those situations. What that reaction actually that happened. They can't really do before. anything. I they mean, they have, have all anything. the archers up there. They literally like, cannot have done He didn't get shot. And, you know. I thought he was going to die this episode. I did too. I thought he was totally done. Once they cut off Missandei's head, I the, thought So, they we were didn't talk shoot. about the scene with Bronn, Jamie, and Tyrion. One cuz I'm not entirely sure it's all that important other than we we know Bronn's a hired sword, but um the fact that Tyrion is still alive and Cersei wants him dead, why doesn't she just execute him right there? It'd be very easy just have your archers light him up. But you, yeah. Why are you gonna pay someone else to do it exactly. when you could kill him right now? So, and does anyone believe if Braun kills him that you weren't the one that told yep. him to do it? Like, you're not saving face. Why is he not dead? You so, know? the the look that Tyrion looks back at Danny with is just a complete and total look of don't do this because this Mm. is the whole thing that the conversation that him and Varys were talking about on the ship. Um, Once uh, Sansa, of course, told Tyrion about Jon's true heritage and then the whole political dynamic between him and Varys as far as what they're going to do, the best strategy going forward, and Varys knowing that John would make a far better king and would be more supported by everybody. That I, I think that factors into Tyrion too, because it's like 
damn it, like, what am I supposed to do? You can't do what you're about to do, you know? No, I I think at this point he's coming around on the idea that John might need to be the one who ends up on the throne. Can we have no one on the throne? Mm. You know what this season's really done for me is just make me... Not want anyone on throne. None of the options so, I like. Do you remember? That's where we're I don't at now. Remember what season it was? I think it's happened a couple times. But give me Gendry on the Danny throne. Danny has That's had these visions before. And do you remember the visions of? It's kind of hard to tell if it's Ash or Snow. I thought it was Ash. I've heard a lot of other people think it was Snow, but where she walks to the iron throne and there's it's basically all burned it's it's everything's destroyed was that a premonition of where we're at now i mean please i want to see some dragons burn shit give me no Um, king no king or queen give me a point where there's no Seven kingdoms ruler, and it's every, every all seven kingdoms have their own ruler. I at this point, I feel like this season, this season has been building to a point where they're putting points in place for you to not like any of the options. The only one that really doesn't have anything on them right now is John, no. but even him, with him being the king of the north and bending the knee, and everyone not wanting him to is a point of contention for him. So, I mean, if we were to get to the point where we wound up with the season ending and there was no there was no clear-cut person, I would yeah. be totally fine with that. Well, I think King's Landing is about to get... That shit's about to get burned down, so I guess we'll see. Um, I'm pretty excited. Um... Yep. I did. I like this episode. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it, you know, there there was a lot more of the political and you know just character dynamics that we've grown to love about Game of Thrones. Um, so it was good seeing that again. And then I suspect we're gonna see more here pretty soon because we have so much with Jamie, Tyrion, John. There's a lot going on. There's gonna be a hell of a lot that happens in these final two episodes. It's a shame that they couldn't have drug it out longer because you know it feels like we're missing so much that could be told. But um, the end is upon us, sadly. I'm excited. Two more episodes. Indeed. Let's go. I'm in. All right. Well, do you have anything oh. else to say about episode four of Game of Thrones? I think that's it for me. So I'm excited for episode five. Hell yeah. Let's do it. All right, guys. Well, we are going to call it an episode and we will, of course, catch you guys next week. Later, everyone. Thanks for hanging out with us. It's been fun. Later. Catch you next week.